0: Hey, it's Adam. Welcome to our weekly teaching podcast here at South Hills Church in Corona, California. Our hope is that as you listen in, you'll find yourself laughing and learning and being challenged and encouraged to grab hold of who God has made you to be. Enjoy the message. And the title of my message is Rodeo Rick. Rodeo Rick. Now, here's the thing uh, that uh, I have realized uh, over the course of my life, and maybe you've realized this too, that most of the things that we like in life, we discover through people that we like. And I think this is true in a lot of avenues of life. And you think about all the things that you really, really like in life, you found them through a person that you like. Maybe it's somebody you know personally. Maybe it's an influencer. Maybe it's a celebrity, right? Um, who knows? Maybe it's just somebody that you follow on Instagram. I don't know but it's generally this is the way we find things we like. And a good example from my life is I, I live with my family in uh, on the edge of Norco and uh, Norco, for those of you who do not know, is Horsetown, USA, okay? And uh, it's a—it's just a little slice of Texas right in the middle of California. And at, every day I drive through like 6th Street, like the heart of Norco, to get to my house from the church here. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things because you're just like, the whole time you're on the interstate, you're just like freeway, 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 California, 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 and then you pull off and you're like, Texas. I'm in Texas all of a sudden, and there's people riding horses and and all sorts of stuff. It is amazing. The best is like, I remember when I first moved there, like one of the shocking things was like, like driving down the road and being like, oh, I haven't tried that place before. Oh, they have a drive through There's a horse in the drive through People going through the drive through like car, truck, horse, Prius. I'm like, what is happening right now? We live in a wonderland. This is, this is delightful. I love it. And of course when you live in Norco one of the things that as you start rubbing shoulders with people that they'll tell you right away is like you got to you got to go to the rodeo. You got you got to go check it out. You got to go see the ro- the rodeo. You got to go to the rodeo. You got to go over there to the center you've got to see the rodeo. And I'm just like not not for me. You know, I don't that's not really I don't that's great. I'm not judging you. You like it, that's fine. I don't that's not a thing for me. And here's the reason why. When I was a kid like probably 6 7 years old um some family friends took us to a rodeo in Springfield, Missouri. And I was a kid and they were talking it up and it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna love it. Oh, it's, it's the best thing ever. We're gonna have so much fun. And we got there a little bit late and they were just starting the bull riding, which is normally held towards the like the end. And they were like, oh, we're here just in time for the bull riding. It's gonna be so amazing. And we got at our seats and we're sitting like sort of towards the front. And you know, the, the chute goes open and the guy comes out, immediately gets bucked off. And then the bull turns back around and gores the guy multiple times and I'm like a kid and I'm like ah! like just freaking out and of course the the clowns come out and they try and distract him and this guy's like the bulls like dragging the guy's body around he lived just for those of you that are panicked right now I didn't know that he lived as a child though I was just like I didn't know if this was like a disciplinary tactic I didn't know what was happening Like, oh, let's go to the rodeo. It's going to be so fun. And then a guy just got gored to death in front of me by like a crazy bull. And like, it would have been the perfect time for my aunt who was with uh, with us just to be like, and that's why we clean our room. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh man. But like, we left after that. We left. That was my only rodeo experience. And so people were like, hey, you should come to the rodeo. And I'm like, I don't feel like watching someone die today. I didn't wake up and just be like, you know know what today feels like? A good day to watch someone be gored to death by a giant animal. And if you've ever woke up thinking that, you need to go to the I Said Yes corner after service. And you need to get those people to pray for you because something is off in your life. Something is wrong. And that was the only experience I had. That was the only experience in that category. So people were inviting me to the rodeo and I'm like, I don't know, it's not for me. I don't think so. I don't wanna do that. There's this one guy who's just so persistent. It's like, every time I saw him, he's like, you gotta go to the rodeo. We gotta go to the rodeo. We sh- we, ro- I'm telling you, it's not, you're thinking it's like a th- one certain thing. It's not like that thing. It's like a different sort of experience, okay? I feel like you're thinking about it in a way that's not, it's not like it. And I, you need to come. And he didn't just invite me once. He invited me multiple time after time after time. And finally, I was just like, okay. It was like, this guy was hounding me. And I gotta be honest, he had a likable personality. He was like a fun type of guy. And I just sort of rationalized to myself. I just gave in. I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm gonna like the rodeo. But I like this guy. Let's call him Rick. I was like, I like Rick. I don't like the rodeo, but I will go to the rodeo, but only if it's with Rick. And I went to the rodeo with Rick. And I gotta be honest, it was kind of awesome. It was, it was kind of magical. You ever been sitting in something where you want to hate it, but it's just slowly winning you over? You're like, I want to be so mad right now but this is actually kind of amazing. I felt that way at the rodeo. I felt that way when JP forced me to go see Justin Timberlake in concert. I've had multiple (laughs) encounters like this, right? Because in my head, I'm like, I don't like the rodeo, but I like Rick. Rick likes the rodeo. I'll go to the rodeo with Rick. And then on the way home from the rodeo, I was like, do I like the rodeo now or do I just like Rick? And then I went back to the rodeo and I was like, I think I like the rodeo and Rick. I think Rick convinced me to like the rodeo. Also, I still listen to a lot of Justin Timberlake, you guys. (laughs) Even though JP's moved to Texas a long time ago, it still clung on. And I I think, you know, uh, we have these experiences where we we test drive things. And I always have so much respect for people who put themselves out there because it doesn't always guarantee that it's going to go this way. And some of the reason why we don't bring people in on certain things that we like or love about life is that we're we're aware that there's an an opposite side uh, of the response spectrum, right? We're aware that someone's reaction could be, I used to like Rick until I found out Rick liked the rodeo. (laughs) The rodeo is weird. Therefore, Rick is weird. I no longer like Rick. And we know this is true because You, whether you want to admit it or not, have discovered some things, maybe even in the last year and a half, about certain people in your life. And you're like, I really like you. Wait, you like what? Oh, I don't know if I can like you anymore. And we backed off. And we're afraid that that might happen in our lives. Like, we're nervous that if people don't like what we like, they won't like us. And here's what's true about all of us we want to be liked. Have you realized that you like being liked? It is, it's just a part of what it is to be human. And I wonder if there's a part of you that you don't share with other people because you're afraid that they might not approve. And you think, like, if they find out about that and they don't approve of that, then they won't be accepting of me. And I want to be liked. And I don't know what that thing is for you. You know, maybe you're just like, listen, I don't don't want people to know how much I spent on this shirt. Not this shirt, but like maybe, I'm doing your examples now, okay? Because if they knew like how much it really costs, they would just, they, would, ooh, they might judge me. They might think that I'm like shallow. They might think that I'm like, you know, snobbish and overindulgent. And so that's why I buy things and I put it in the back of the closet and then I don't wear it for three weeks. And I'm like, oh, this whole thing. And then like with the tag still on it, you know, and I just pretend like I've had it forever. Maybe your thing is like, I don't, listen, I don't want people to know that I still like McDonald's. OK, <laughs> because I know it's not it's not popular and people judge it and they're just like, didn't you watch that documentary? McDonald's is garbage. But in my mind, I'm like, it's, it's delicious garbage. I can't get away from it. I just I this is the way I want to go. I want to go out with whatever this is poisoning me to do. I don't know. I just but I don't want people to know that about me because I don't want them to think that I'm low class or dumb or unhealthy. You know, I don't, I don't want people to, to know that, like, I very much unironically sometimes watch Say Yes to the Dress because it's. I, I get a little spark of joy when they, and it's really the one, and they cry, and it just, it means a lot, right? This girl who didn't cry when she got proposed to, but cried when she found the dress she wanted to get married in, right? Which is a weird juxtaposition. I just, I, I don't know if I want to put this stuff out there. I feel like if they knew that about me, they'd judge me. And, and yet this puts me at war with myself because there's another part of me that thinks, but also if I invited them into it and they experience what I've experienced, they might like it too. So is it worth the risk of telling them, of including them, of inviting them? And I think for a lot of us, one of the things at the top of this list in our lives is the fact that we go to church and we love it. And in fact, in a lot of ways, it's the best part of our week. We look forward to it. But we just feel like, I don't know if I can tell people. And part of it is because we never really saw ourselves as like a churchy person. And we probably still don't like most churches, but we, we found this church and we connect to this church and we like what's happening here, but we know not everybody thinks about like this sort of thing when they think about church. And so we're nervous to bring it up to them because what if they judge us? And yet it has and is changing your life. And you want it to change somebody else's life in the way that it changed your life. You want them to love it, look forward to it, be impacted by it in the way you were, but that would require you to, to invite somebody. And the reason we would want to do that is because of the difference that you are aware that it's made. Last week, one of the response things that we had these little cards that say, because of South Hills on all the chairs, and I invited you guys to, to write down just the way that, that, that being a part of this church has impacted your life, has transformed and changed your life, And we got so many of these and we looked at them as a staff this week and just reading through them and like tearing up and being so moved about how this church has impacted so many people in so many very real ways. And I wanna just read you just a handful of things that that you all wrote here on the Corona campus. Somebody somebody wrote this, because of South Hills, I met people who genuinely care about me who aren't negative influences because I got plenty of those. I feel safe to be myself and I'm loved for who I really am. Because of South Hills, I'm accepted even though I'm a weirdo and a mess. I didn't think we were going to put mine in there, but like, that's fine, guys. Whatever you want (laughs) to, so we're going to just do them all, I guess. Um, I found happiness, inner happiness, and have been able to build a beautiful relationship with God. I found the real and best version of me. Because of South Hills, I fell back in love with Jesus like when I was little, before I got hurt. Finding grace on the other side of legalism changed me. Because of South Hills, we we brought God into our marriage by deciding to do church together, and it brought us back from the brink. My kids love coming to church. I never thought that would happen. They're making amazing friends and, and actually like learning about God. Because of South Hills, I've overcome paralyzing addiction, anxiety, and depression. I'm not out of the woods yet, but I now see a light at the end of the tunnel. Because of South Hills, for the first time, I met a God who wants the best for me, who's called me to step away from deep shame. I've been able to forgive someone who hurt me really bad. And I've been able to ask for forgiveness from someone I hurt. Isn't there something about all these that just like hits you right here? There's something about these these stories that maybe you recognize because for some of you, they're your stories. And for some of you, it's because you wrote it. For some of you, you didn't write it, but you might as well have because it's so close to what you've experienced, what's happened in your life. And when I read through these, I find myself thinking like, I want everybody that I know to get to experience this, I think of people who are living the opposite of some of these statements, and I'm like, I want them to step into what other people are experiencing here. I want them to know about it. I want them to experience what I've experienced, and if they came, they would. And I think we have this sense that we want people in our lives to find their way to church and connect in community and to say yes to Jesus and to experience freedom from guilt, sin, and shame, and to begin to to live their life according to the way of Jesus and to step in to a fulfilling sort of existence. And while we want all of that, there's another part of us that's just like, I want that. I just don't want to have to personally invite them to come and experience it because I just feel like that that could backfire. That might be uncomfortable. What if they've got weird baggage? What if the only experience they have is a negative one and then they transfer, they project all that negative stuff onto me. They assume I'm like all the stuff that they don't like about another version of this thing. And I don't want to be labeled like that. So I'm just going to like secretly pray for them, you know, occasionally, and just hope that maybe, you know, they drive by and see a banner or something, just show up, you know? And it's good to hope, but, but I would also tell you, hope is not a plan. In fact, I believe that God's brilliant strategy to connect your community to him is you. That in fact, the best shot that the people that you know have at having a real relationship with God is that they encounter him and experience him through you. But how? How how do you go about that? I mean, we've seen people that have invited or tried to share their faith in ways that just like turned people off in, in, in such an extreme way where it's like, well, there was a little bit of an opening and now there's nothing. I don't want to do that, but I feel like I can't just not do anything. I, I want to extend an invite like the people extended an invite to me that resulted in me having a story that I'm forever grateful for. And if you're, you're sort of mulling that over and wrestling with that in yourself, you're not the first person. You're not even the first Christian to like struggle with this sort of inner turmoil about these two sides of yourself, these two potential outcomes about putting your faith out there and extending an invite to somebody else. And in fact, I want to just read you a small little two-sentence snippet of a story from one of the first disciples about how they went about it, because I think there's so much here that we can apply in our lives as we look to share our faith in innovative ways. And this is found in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 10, verse 10. It's a short little story here. This is what it says. Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, like the religious people, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? The the word that they use is not the word scum. It's like a worse word that we probably wouldn't use in church. But like people who translate the Bible are like, that's not churchy. Let's say scum. And of course, Jesus is offended by this, and he has a really like fun, snappy comeback, which I'll let you explore on your own. Because what I want to do is I want to just like zero in on the setup of this, the first part of this, because I think that's the part we normally skip over because we like it when Jesus gets sassy. And so we focus on that, and we don't realize what set the stage for this moment in the first place. Jesus has changed Matthew's life. Matthew has just been recruited to be a disciple of Jesus, and it's sort of his interaction with Jesus has sort of blown his mind. And Matthew wants other people to experience the same sort of thing, and so he invites Jesus and his newly recruited disciples and a bunch of people that he knows to be in a room. All together. And I think we can learn a lot from Matthew because this is really his strategy for reaching his community. It's this, it's very simple. It's three things that he just keeps doing over and over and over again invest, invite, include. Invest, invite, include. And I just want to unpack this for a moment. What does it mean to invest in someone? I mean, first off, I would say this. Matthew has this like thing of like, man, I want to change the world. I want to do something meaningful with my life and impact people. And he doesn't start by inviting a bunch of strangers, right? He doesn't start by like giving a sermon. He doesn't start by going door to door in a white shirt with a tie, right, and pamphlets. He doesn't start by standing on a street corner with a megaphone outside of a sporting event just like, you're going to hell. (laughs) Repent. Right, He doesn't do any of these things. This is what he does. This is a brilliant idea. He just invites people that he already knows to come and see what Jesus is like. That's it. And who does he invite? Tax collectors and what does it call them? Disreputable sinners. Some of you are like, that is a nice term for my friends. Disreputable sinners. Yes, I know those sorts of people. Why does he invite tax collectors and disreputable sinners? Because those are the people he hangs out with. These are the only people he knows. He's a tax collector. He knows other tax collectors. He's a disreputable sinner. So he knows a lot of them. And he just invites them to come and be in the room. And I wonder, who are these people for you? Like the people that you just sort of are orbiting your life, the people that you work with or maybe go to the gym with or see at the grocery store or the neighbors that you live alongside of. And here's the question I want to ask of you today. Do you invest in the people around you in hopes that they'll experience Jesus through you? Or do you just sort of haphazardly go through your day? Is there something in your heart and mind of like, man, I want to impact people so that they can get a glimpse of who God really is? And it doesn't have to be complicated. Do what Matthew does. He invites people to like a dinner party. He's like, you guys wanna come over after tax collecting? And just like, you know, get, have some drinks with who? And they're like, ah, Jesus. But like, I, whatever. Like, it'll be fun, Man. You know, you could just ask people about their lives. That's a way to invest in people that most people are not used to because we just talk about the weather and traffic. You would offer to help people with things that they're working on. The reason that people accepted Matthew's invite was because he had already invested in their lives. They were willing to try something that they might not like because they really liked Matthew because this is the way people work we 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 actually have this core value here at South Hills that's built around this idea. We we say this, we don't wait for someone else to reach our friends. And what we mean by this is we think that God is a strategist. That God puts us in people's lives for divine purposes that you work where you work and you live where you live and you are connected with who you're connected to for a reason. And that reason is so that you can invest in their lives and so that you can invite them to get to know who God really is, which may be something totally different than their previous experiences of him, as he was presented by somebody else with a different filter. Matthew is invested in these people's lives and so he invites them. And I would tell you that like the reality of it is at some point, like if you want people to be included in what you're doing, you're gonna have to extend an invite. You're gonna have to actually open your mouth and say something about the fact that um, Jesus has changed your life and that you go to a church and that you like it. So if you're like, I don't know if I can do that. You know, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna be nice. And I'll just tell you, that's fantastic, but at a certain point, nice isn't enough. Because people need to have the dots connected about why you treat them the way you treat them. Why do you treat people differently than other people treat them? Why do you feel differently about life than other people? Why do you have tools to navigate existence that are different than what other people have? Why is it that you are different? At a certain point, you're gonna have to let people know that it's connected to your relationship with Christ. And here's what I want to ask you about this idea. Do you talk to the people in your life about how Jesus has changed or is changing your life and about how your church is helping you grow? Is that just something that you have conversations about? Do you ever invite them to come join you, to be a part of it with you? For some of us, we're like, I don't know if I can... I don't know a lot about theology. And that's not really what this is about, of just the simple thing of like, you know what? Um, I have figured something out that has made my life better. And it's really helping me. And you know where I got it? At the church I go to. I really like, and I know that probably conjures up other images in your head of things you don't want to be a part of. But I'm telling you, this thing, like you know me. This thing, it's, it's different. I would love for you to experience it. Here's what else I wonder. I wonder if you then invite them again when they say no or when they ignore you or when they're like, yeah, I'll be there and then they never come. <laughs> you have people in you life like, they do that? Yeah, I'm gonna be there. And you're like, you wait out on the curb, you miss all of the music. You're like, now nah, I gotta stay for the beginning of the next one to sing songs. I wonder if you are persistent, if you continue to ask even though It doesn't seem to happen. It probably took whoever invited you a few times before you actually showed up. This is the way people work. And then, of course, Matthew includes them. And here's what I wonder about this. Do you create opportunities to include your unchurched friends in activities with your church friends. Have you noticed that this is what Matthew does? He invites all of the tax collectors and disreputable sinners, and he invites them to the same party where Jesus and the disciples are gonna be. Why? Because he wants them to hang out. Because these two groups of people never really interact. And in his heart, he's like, I feel like if they got together, they would realize they have more in common than they thought. I think they'll like each other. I think that it'll break down some walls. I think it'll open some hearts. I think before the, even the evening is over, some of these people will be like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually rethink my, my perspective on this. I'm actually gonna, gonna be a little bit more open to maybe what God might want to do or say in my life because of this. A lot of us, we keep our lives pretty separate. I wonder, like, are you creating opportunities to put these people together? Like, this is one of the reasons why I love going to weddings, because people end up discovering a lot of things about a person they didn't know before, right? All the people in their life just collide in that moment. They're like, these are the people that I teach Sunday school with, and this is the biker gang I'm a part of, right? And everyone's like, whoa, right? And a lot of us, we do this. We keep certain, we keep everything kind of segmented out and sectioned off, but I wonder what it would look like for you to put people together so they could experience each other. Because I think the genius of what Matthew does here, he's not trying to sell the people in his life on a set of ideas. He's trying to introduce them to a new set of friends. And I think a lot of times we think that people are looking for a friendly church and they're not. You know what people are looking for? Friends. Friends. And when we're willing to actually include people in our lives and put people together, give people not just something to believe, but some others to belong with, it changes everything. The truth is, we can come to a place that has great teaching and great music, and we love it and it's great, but if we don't meet anybody that we become friends with that we can do life and and faith alongside of, eventually, It doesn't last. We want to be included. Now notice this. Notice it doesn't say anywhere in the story that everyone Matthew invited to his party with Jesus immediately believed in Jesus, gave their hearts and lives to Jesus, and everything about them that was bad changed into good, and it was a big miracle, and everything was perfect from that day forward. And you know why it doesn't say that? Because that did not happen. I'm sure it happened for a couple of people, but I'm sure what happened by and large is what always happens. I'm, I'm sure there's a couple of people that were like, that was weird, <laughs> I gotta be honest. <laughs> I don't know, I just, yeah, I just, I was in my head, I just have never, I don't know, I've never had an experience, it was like, it was a little bit, not weird, bad, but it was just like, I was out of my comfort zone, I don't know, I don't usually hang with those types of people. I may be back, I may not, I'm not really sure at this point. Maybe somebody else or a few other people that came said like, I was skeptical, you know, you know that, but I gotta be honest, it was better than I thought. There's some things about it that I was like, that was great. Also, the wine was delicious, okay? I don't know what you're serving, Matthew, and he's like, it's a Jesus originally. Give this guy some water. He, I'm telling you, that's a reason to hang around in and of itself. Maybe a couple other people were like, Yeah, I mean, I thought it was great, and I liked it, I liked Jesus, I liked what he had to say. I don't know if I can fully buy into all of his views. Like, I just, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I may come back. And this is the way real life works. Like, most of us don't fully sell out to something the moment we're introduced to it. And honestly, I don't think you wanna be that person. I think you wanna be someone who thinks about it, who weighs it, who looks at all the information and makes a decision, faith belief life change commitment it's all a process in fact this is what one of the first christians the apostle paul says about this idea of introducing people to faith and it being a slow journey he says in 1 corinthians chapter 3 verse 5 we are all only god's servants through whom people believe the good news Each of us does the work the Lord gave us to do. One person plants the seed in someone's heart, another waters it, but God makes it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants, and the one who waters work together with the same purpose and both will be rewarded for their work. Now think about how slow a plant grows. You know, the first time when I was a kid in kindergarten, they had us plant things in like a styrofoam cup and we planted it and then I went home and I slept and I came back the next day and I went and looked in that cup and you know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> I was like, this is anticlimactic. I'm like, how long is this gonna take? She's like, by the end of the semester, you'll have a plant. I'm like, that is way too long. <laughs> Listen, lady, if it doesn't work, just say it doesn't work, okay? Okay. You're making weird excuses, okay? We put it in the dirt, we did the thing, it doesn't work. But like, think about how many things have to happen the right way in the right time in the right order for something to really grow. And think about how much time it takes. Think about how many different elements are involved. If, even if you're the gardener, think about how many of the things that need to go a certain way you can't control. And if you can control them, you can't really speed up the process even if you wanted to. And yet you still have a role. And the same is true of being a part of someone else's faith journey. Only God can really transform people's lives. But you have a part to play. What is it? To plant, to water, to cultivate. Or we may say it this way, to invest, to invite, and to include. In another place, Paul says this. He says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how... Can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? I love how it's just like, his giant like logic reasoning. Do you people in your life that are like, okay, let's think about this for a minute. So what Paul's doing. Like, we all know that we want people's lives to be impacted and transformed by a real relationship with Jesus. But that's not gonna happen unless people place their faith and trust in Jesus. But how are they gonna know to place their faith and trust in Jesus unless someone tells them about who Jesus really is? And, and how will someone tell them about who Jesus really is unless somebody in, invites those people to come and hear about it? And why would anybody go invite unless someone is like, hey, you should go invite? And Paul's like, So that's what I'm telling you to go invite? Because what's at stake is something significant. When Matthew throws his party, he'd just been recruited by Jesus. Like his faith is still really new. And he knows that Jesus is the real deal, but he doesn't know how to explain how he knows that. He's still figuring everything out for himself but that doesn't stop him from investing, inviting, and including other people in his world. Maybe you're in the same boat. You're just like, I don't know how to explain how I know that this is like the thing that's transformed. I don't, but I feel like if people could just get in the room, they'd be like, okay, I I see so Matthew, he doesn't try and explain all the tenets of his faith. He doesn't argue some theological perspective. He doesn't give uh, you know three inarguable points of why you need to believe now. He basically just says this. He says essentially like, you listen, you like me, okay, and I really like this. And I think it would mean it would mean a lot to me if you just came to be in the place. And to meet the people that have made a difference in my life. And maybe it'll make a difference in your life too. Do it for me. Like Matthew was the original rodeo Rick, you guys. This is classic textbook rodeo Rick. (laughs) He's basically like, listen, I know you don't think you like this, but you like me. And I really like this. And I think it wouldn't just, it would mean a lot to me if you just came, just one time, okay? Just to be in the place, to meet some of the people. Because it's made a difference in my life. I want to share it with you because I like you and you like me. You don't have to buy into the whole thing. You don't have to come back every single day. This doesn't have to be your favorite thing. You don't have to get a giant belt buckle. I did. You can, it's optional. Just, 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 I just want you to check it out. And this is what Matthew does. And guess what? Some of them showed up. A bunch of them didn't. And in fact, a lot of them probably didn't want to have much to do with, you know, religion or rabbis. They didn't like that stuff, but they liked Matthew. And they probably thought to themselves, I wouldn't normally go, but I'll go with you because I like you. And then they went and they had this experience that was a little bit better than what they thought. And it like moved them in a certain sort of way. And they were just like, huh. I didn't think I liked, like, religious teachers, but I liked Matthew. And I went and interacted with Jesus, and now I think I might kind of like Jesus. I got to come back and re-experience this again. I will tell you this, none of them would have showed up without an invite because people want to be where they're wanted, but they won't know they're wanted if they're not invited. And Matthew went out on a limb and extended an invite and it made all the difference. And maybe as you're listening to this message this morning you're thinking like, man, there are all sorts of people in my life that I've not really tried to bring to church. Tr- I mean, in a yes, in a half-hearted kind of way, but like I've not really I've not really invested and invited and included the people that like are in my orbit, and I feel like I, I want to do that. And it's like certain faces and names are maybe even running through your mind, but you're just like, I just, I don't, I know they've got their guard up. I don't want to do it wrong. I don't want to mess up. And here's what I would suggest to you. Invite people to come and experience your spiritual family without expecting them to fully embrace your faith. Just say, you know, just come and check it out. Just come be in the room. Just come meet some of the people. Just come and have the experience. And I think that if God wants you to be here, something about it will resonate deeply with you and like that's between you and God. But I, I want you just to come and be a part of what has been so impactful and meaningful for me. Just plant the seed, just water, just, just invite. Because their spiritual journey, like all spiritual journeys, is going to be a process. But you have a part to play because seeds don't grow unless they're planted. People don't show up unless they're invited. People don't respond to messages they've never heard. People can't accept a Jesus they've never, ever encountered. People won't feel embraced by a family they've never experienced. And I know it can feel like a little bit of a risk, but I think it's one worth taking. So here's my challenge to all of us, the all together now thing I want to invite us all to do, to begin inviting people right now to bring with you to family month. October is a big time of year for us where we um, intentionally talk about how to have happier, healthier relationships at the core of our lives. And we do this intentionally to make it easier for you to invite people in who may have never been to church, have no interest in church. They don't think they're gonna like this, but they like you. And you know what else they like? They like the idea of having better relationships with their family. And they're like, you know what, I'll go. I'll be a part of some plaza parties. I'm gonna come on Star Wars Day. Always wanted to take my picture with R2-D2. So I'm gonna come. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna hear whatever they have to say and I'm never coming back. We wanna make it easy for you to invite people into this environment so that somebody else can experience what you've experienced because it has the potential to transform everything about their now and their later. And here's some practical ways that you can do that. Uh, you can like, comment on, or share the invite video. My wife and I made a, an invite video this week talking about every all the information you need is in there, and it's done in a fun way because Gretchen is fun, you guys. She makes everything fun. It's part of why I married her, okay? And it's just real easy to share that video. The more likes and comments and shares it has, the more people see it, and the more people experience it. You could do this multiple times, okay? You're not limited. You can download or screenshot Uh, The digital invites from our website, from Instagram, from Facebook, you can invite people to specific uh, plaza parties. You can invite them, which is just the series in general. You can invite people over text, uh, WhatsApp, instant messenger. You can do this multiple times. You can put door hangers um, on the doors of your neighborhood. Next week, we're going to have door hangers out in the invite toolbox, and you can blitz your own neighborhood, and then when they take them in, just do it all over again. (laughs) It's super fun. And then people are like, wait, didn't I... I thought I threw this away. What's happening? And then just like, God is sending you a message. <laughs> We're gonna have voice modulators. We're gonna, we got everything you need, is what I'm saying. You can hand invites to your coworkers, friends and neighbors. Right now, this week, in the invite toolbox in the center of the plaza are just stacks and stacks of cards. Take a stack with you, not one or two. Take a stack with you, put it in your car. take it to work. Have them on you just in case because you're gonna, you're gonna need them. Um, offer to bribe people with breakfast or lunch. Jesus did this. I mean, come on, people. Fed the 5,000. You know, some of those people were about to leave. He was like, listen, guys, lunch is on me. There's a couple more points I want to make, okay? It was a long sermon, multiple chapters. You can sign up for the community blitz that we're going to do here on October 2nd. You can do multiple. I want to challenge you to do two or three of these things. The Community Blitz is on October 2nd. We're going to target specific neighborhoods around our church, drop off door hangers. We're also gonna be delivering cold water bottles with our church information uh, to the soccer and baseball games at Santana Park. And we'd love for you to be a part of that. Let's get the word out. Let's invest and invite and include some people into our church family so that they can begin to tell the same kind of stories about their lives as you have been telling about yours. It makes a difference. I guess what I'm saying is be a rodeo Rick, you guys, for real. Because what's at stake is not just the sweet taste of funnel cakes at a fair. It's life to the full. It's freedom from sin and guilt and shame. It's learning to live the way you were made to live. It's time for us to bring some people into that. And that's what I wanna pray into your life today. Would you bow your heads across this room? God, thank you so much for the way in which you have blessed our lives. God, I'm grateful that I found this church. I know a lot of us feel a sense of gratitude that we met you here through South Hills. These people have become our chosen spiritual family. Our lives have been transformed. Some of our our marriages have been rescued. Our kids have a faith walk with God. We look forward to showing up and being here in this place around these people. We receive things that we're tucking into our lives that are changing the way we experience reality. Our lives are better because of this place. And God, you are calling us to extend that. Give us the courage to do that, not just once and in one way with one person, but in multiple ways with multiple people over the next weeks and months as we are praying that you're going to transform people's hearts and lives, that you're going to bring people into the family who desperately need to experience you in a real way. Help us to do it. Help them to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. We hope you heard something that spoke directly to where you're at right now in life. To find out more about our church, hit up our website, southhills.org slash corona, or follow us on social media at South Hills Corona. And if our messages have made a difference in your life, help us get the word out by rating and reviewing this podcast. And as always, you can support the ongoing work of our church by giving through our website at southhills.org slash give and selecting the Corona Campus. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us again next week. God bless.